Do you have questions? Do you need answers? The Pastor Study will help you find those answers through God's Word. Our teacher today is Pastor Tom Brock. The Pastor Study is sponsored by pastorstudy.org. So grab your Bible and join us for The Pastor Study. Welcome to the Pastor Study. For this half hour, we talk about what's called the atonement, which means God and man used to be like this, alienated, but then Jesus came, paid our sin debt, and made us at one again. Atonement. Last sun uh, two Sundays ago, I was on vacation. I went to Falls Church, Virginia. And I went to George Washington's church. I had Holy Communion where George Washington took communion. He and his men helped build Falls Church, Virginia. Now, this is an Episcopal church, but it's a good Episcopal church. They had the sense to leave the Episcopal church a few years ago when they installed a practicing homosexual bishop. In fact, in the service that day, we were praying that they'd be able to keep their building because the church, Episcopal church is suing them to take their building. And it looks like in Virginia, they're going to do so and win. But look what else was in their bulletin. And if this one doesn't make you mad, you're not breathing. Listen to this. The Reverend Matt Kennedy and his congregation in Binghamton, New York, lost their court battle to stay in their buildings when they decided to leave the Episcopal Church. The vestry there had offered the Bishop of New York $150,000 in order to keep their property, but were refused. Last week, we learned the diocese had instead sold the building for $50,000 to the Muslims for an Islamic awareness center. The sale allegedly has a clause preventing the Muslims from resaling it to the conservative Episcopalians. So now the cross of Christ has been removed and the old red doors symbolizing that we enter God's presence through the blood of Christ have now been repainted Islamic green. So now the Church of the Good Shepherd has as its purpose to explain Islam and the teaching of the Quran. Did you hear that? Did you get that? The liberal bishop, instead of letting the church keep their church for $150,000, he sold it out from under them to the Muslims for $50,000. That's called evil. But the Episcopal Church, the liberal Episcopal Church, is doing this around the country. They're being very hard-nosed on this. I think that's a denial of the atonement. Listen, Bishop of New York. Mohammed does not provide atonement. Not by Mohammed's stripes we are healed, by Jesus' stripes we are healed. Uh, well, today we are going to study the verse that we find in 1 Peter chapter 2 that says, By his wounds, Christ's wounds, we are healed. Sadly, this is one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible especially misquoted by TV health and wealth preachers. We're going to get to that in a minute, but I just want to say this. Every Christian should have a couple good, thick Bible commentaries in their house. Get the new ESV study Bible. It's got great study notes so that if some TV preacher says something and makes a verse say something, the Christians have not understood it to, to say for 2,000 years, then you throw out the TV preacher. 
So here we go. Let's learn about the atonement today. Everybody take out your Bible, please. In the New Testament, we turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's pray first. Father, if there's anybody that doesn't understand the atonement, what we mean when we say Jesus died for our sins, we would pray that the atonement of Christ would touch everyone listening to this, and that if, if someone here has not turned their life over to Christ, when they see what he did, that they will do that this day. Speak to us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Peter writes to the ancient church, To this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Here's the first lesson today. Christ calls us to suffer. And if you read the preceding verse in context, in context, Peter is especially saying this to slaves. One commentator uh, said this, Just as in this life Christ suffered unjustly for doing God's will, so Christian slaves also have this calling. Servants are to follow in their master's tracks. Now, I read that and I thought, where do we hear that message in the Christian church in America today? that Christ calls us to suffer. You never hear it. You know what you hear in American pulpits and especially by TV preachers? God doesn't want you to suffer. God wants to bless you financially, spiritually, emotionally. So you put that happy look on your face. You go into that office. You're going to get that better job because all God is about is making you happy and feel good. <laughs> Listen, wouldn't it be nice if Joel Osteen, pastor of the biggest church in America, who you see all the time, and all he preaches is happy, peppy, positive, wouldn't it be great if once Joel Osteen told people, Christ calls us to suffer. What Christians are going through right now in North Korea, in Indonesia, in Iraq, Iran, Chad, Sudan, China, that is what God is calling them to do. And Christian, persecution might now start coming to the church in America the way our country is going. And if it does, then what will all those Christians do who bought the lie that God never wants you to suffer? Will they fall away at that point? I want to encourage you, before the persecution comes in America, start praying now, Lord, help me stand for you. Help me not wimp out. No matter what's coming in our culture, help me be willing to die for Christ. Christ calls us to suffer. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. He, Jesus, committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Here's the next lesson. Jesus was perfect. It says he committed no sin. The worst church I ever attended in my life, I just attended once, that was enough, is a large congregational church in downtown Minneapolis. The preacher that Sunday got in the pulpit and preached, quote, Jesus wasn't perfect. You can't relate to someone if they're perfect. And I thought, well, there goes the atonement. <laughs> because if Jesus sinned, he has to pay for his own sin, and he can't pay for the sins of others. Well, Jesus was perfect, and one more point on this. Christians, the Bible never says Mary was perfect or sinless. It says Jesus was perfect. When I was on vacation in Washington, D.C., I went to the largest church space-wise 
in the United States. It's called the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception of Mary. It's a huge church. It's a beautiful church. I've been to a lot of Catholic cathedrals in Europe and in Mexico and around the world. This was one of the worst because for every one picture you saw of Jesus, you saw ten of Mary. Because this church, the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, is built on the belief that Mary was perfect. Well, the Bible never says that. The Bible says Jesus was perfect. Verse 23. When Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. Here's the next lesson. Learn not to return. When someone insults you, refuse to insult them back. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to defend yourself. Often in the epistles, Paul is defending himself against the false teachers. Sometimes Jesus defended himself against the Pharisees. So um, it's okay to defend yourself, but you don't have to be nasty about it. We have a radio show. I, I encourage you to tune to 980 AM on the AM dial, 980 AM. Tune in on Saturday mornings at 11 for our two-hour live call-in show. But you know what I've learned doing the radio show? Some Christians are rude. And we have this man who is more Catholic than the Pope who keeps sending me these obnoxious emails. Finally, we wrote him back and said, Sir, we're not going to respond to your emails anymore. You're rude. And what did he do? Immediately, he wrote us another nasty email. Well, I refuse to write him back. The Bible says, refuse to return. Learn not to return. Um, sometimes, though, the Lord wants us to criticize someone. Jesus said, if your brother sins, rebuke him. So, humbly, gently rebuking people is fine. You just don't have to be nasty about it. The Bible says, Speak the truth in love. It does not say, speak the truth with a sledgehammer. Uh, let's look at verse 23, 1 Peter 2:23. When Jesus suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to God who judges justly. Here's the next lesson. Trust that God will judge your enemies. The reason we don't judge our enemies is because that's God's job. You know, I will tell you though, <laughs> if I was that Episcopal priest in New York and my liberal bishop sold my church out from under me to the Muslims, boy that would burn me, but then I'd have to pray. Jesus, you say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Oh, I pray for the soul of my bishop. May he turn from his sin and come back to you, Lord, etc., etc. In other words, we leave the judgment to God, but God will judge bishops like that. The Apostle Paul wrote the same thing, Romans 12. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the people of my church uh, said to me a while ago, you know, Pastor Brock, I had a certain person in my life who was causing me such anxiety. And finally, I started praying for that person regularly, and my anger for that person just broke. <laughs> That's what this verse means. God will do the judging. Our, our job is to pray for those who persecute us. Verse 24, He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree. 
This next lesson is the most important one in the sermon. Here we go. We believe in the substitutionary atonement of Christ. Please follow this. It's hugely important you follow this. The church has always taught, be it Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, all brands of, den of denominations, every Christian believes in what's called the substitutionary atonement of Christ, which simply means this. I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell for my sin. Jesus, when the wrath of God is coming toward me, slips in between the wrath of God and I. Jesus bears the wrath of God, bears the penalty for my sin. Jesus substitutes himself and takes my whipping so that I can be forgiven. Now that's a beautiful doctrine. I think it's the most beautiful doctrine in the Bible. It's called the gospel, the good news. Tragically, we now have heretics in the church, in our pulpits, and in some of our seminaries, teaching that that is what they call divine child abuse. For God the Father to punish his son for someone else's sin is divine child abuse. For God the Father to force Jesus to take our sin, they think that's evil. I think they're evil. Listen, here's what we respond to that. The most beautiful act of love ever on this planet was when the Son of God voluntarily, nobody forced this, when Jesus said, Father, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'll drink the cup. When Jesus voluntarily took our sin upon himself, that's the most beautiful act of love in the universe. And if you deny that, you're not a Christian. I have a very liberal sister who goes to church in Omaha, and sadly, she's part of a United Church of Christ women's reading group. And she's been infected by this. And the worst thing my sister has ever said to me in my life was a while ago when she said, Tommy, I don't believe Jesus' death was a sacrifice for our sins. And I said, then Sharon, you won't be saved because you cannot deny the atonement of Christ. That's your only hope. And if you deny that, then you'll have to pay for your own sins. Listen, the doctrine of the substitutionary atonement, it's our salvation. Never let that doctrine go, even if a pastor tells you to get rid of it. Let me share a story. There's a story that years ago, there was a boys' school in the hills of Virginia, a very rowdy classroom of boys. And teachers lasted about two months and then they quit. A young graduate from college comes to the principal and says, I've heard about that class. I'd like to teach those boys. The principal says, uh, you're brand new. I don't think you want to teach that class. I love a challenge, he says. I'd like to try. The principal says, okay. Teacher walks in the classroom and says, good morning, boys. I'm your new teacher. And they started making noise and throwing erasers. And he says, but boys, I, I, I can't run this class unless we have rules. But I'll let you help me. What are some good rules we can have to run this class? One boy yelled out, no stealing. Teacher took the cross. Number one, no, no stealing. Number two, uh, give me a second, uh, on time. He took the chalk. Number two, on time. Give me a third rule. Finally, they had ten rules on the board. And he said, but boys, rules are no good unless I can enforce them. What do we do to the boy who breaks any of these rules? And one of them yelled out, you hit him on the back with your rod ten times with his coat off. And the teacher said, well, that's pretty strict. Oh, the boy said, we can handle that. 
teacher said, okay, class has begun. And for 10 days, there was order and peace in the classroom. Boys were learning. But at the end of 10 days, it was discovered that little Jim had stolen Big Tom's lunch. And the teacher said, okay, Jim, you know the rule. Come to the front of the class. And this little boy walks up front holding his coat like this. And the teacher said, you know the rule. Take off your coat. The little boy took off his coat, and he didn't have a shirt on. Teacher said, Jim, why didn't you wear your shirt today? Well, teacher, we're kind of poor. I only have one shirt, and mother is washing that today, so my brother lent me his coat. And the teacher thinks, I don't want to do this. But then he thought, I have to enforce the law or we'll never have peace. He put the little boy over his knee. He took up the rod, and before he could bring it down, Big Tom jumps up, and he says, teacher, what if I took his whipping for him? And the teacher said, well, if the rest of the boys agree, I suppose we could do that. And they all agreed. So the teacher put the little boy aside, took Big Tom over his knee, took the rod, struck him once, struck him twice. On the third stroke of the, of the reed, the reed broke on the teacher's hand. <laughs> and he, the teacher just kind of looked down, buried his hands in his face and thought, I don't want to do the rest of this. And then he heard crying, and he looked up, and here little Jim had thrown his arms around the neck of Big Tom, and he said, Tom, I am the one who stole your lunch. That was me, but you took my whipping for me, and I'll remember you forever for that, Tom. I'll remember this forever. Christian, that is what Jesus did for you and me times a million. Never give up the glorious doctrine of the substitutionary atonement of Christ, which is what will get each one of us into heaven. Look at verse 24. Jesus died with this purpose, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Here's the next lesson. The Christian is continually dying to sin and living to righteousness. Um, this is a battle. And I remember an old seminary professor saying, we know that our old Adam, our sin nature, we know that our old Adam was drowned in baptism, but we learn pretty quickly, he's a pretty good swimmer. <laughs> Which is why daily, even though I've been baptized and I'm a Christian, every day I've got to bop that old nature of mine on the head to get it under the water and kill it again. Uh, the, the way you can spot a Christian, it's not someone who's perfect by any means, but it's someone who's always fighting at least. Martin Luther wrote this 500 years ago. What does baptism with water mean? It indicates that the old Adam in us should daily be drowned by contrition and sorrow, and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily come forth and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Verse 24, by his wounds you have been healed. I think that is the second most misquoted verse in the Bible. Let me give you the first. The first most misquoted verse in the Bible, judge not, lest ye be judged. <laughs> Jesus never meant by that that we're not to make moral judgment. And he didn't mean that we can never confront people about their sin. Because the same Jesus says, if your brother sins, rebuke him. 
So that's the most misquoted. I think the second most misquoted verse in the Bible is right here. By his wounds you have been healed. Let me show you how it's misquoted today by TV preachers who are into what's called the prosperity gospel, the health and wealth gospel. It goes like this. By his wounds you've been healed. Therefore, you don't need to have arthritis. You don't need to have can cancer. You need to name and claim that his wounds have healed me. Jesus took my sickness on the cross. So I don't. no spirit-filled Christian ever needs to die of cancer. I think that's a twisting of this verse. And let me show you why. Look at the context. Look at the first part of verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Peter there is talking about our spiritual healing, our salvation, that we have a new standing before God, cleansed and forgiven because Christ has paid our sin debt. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily not going to ever have cancer. Sometimes God just wants to take you home. <laughs> and I've said this before, I'll say it again. When you get to heaven, you're going to look back on earth and say, why did I scratch and claw to stay down there? <laughs> we had a lady, we have prayer cards. You can write down a prayer request on Sunday mornings at my church. One lady filled in this prayer card recently. It said this, our good friend Pete has won his battle against cancer. He is now without pain with Christ in heaven. As Peter would say, I won. <laughs> One last lesson. Look at verse 25. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Last lesson. Be safe and stay next to the shepherd. There were some tourists that were walking through Switzerland up in the Alps. As they're walking down the path, here comes a shepherd with a flock of sheep behind him. But there was one sheep that stayed right next to his leg. So this lady tourist says to the shepherd, how come that lamb is right next to you? Well, madam, I broke its leg. You broke his leg on purpose? Yes. This little lamb used to wander. Two or three times I almost lost this lamb. What I have learned as a shepherd is, if I break its leg, it has to stay next to me, and by the time its leg is mended, that'll be the closest lamb in the flock. <laughs> Well, the point is this. Sometimes God has to break us to get us to be close to him. And, and uh, the point is this. Little lamb, let God break you of whatever you need to be broken of and let, let yourself stay next to his side because if you get far away enough from the shepherd, you get lost and you get go over the cliff. <laughs> that is what we learn from 1 Peter chapter 2. Again, the final point, never give up the teaching that Jesus Christ, Son of God, lived the perfect life so he could pay for your sins and rise from the dead. His substitutionary atonement is your only hope, but it's a glorious hope. It's a sure hope. Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, one of our listeners would like you to explain what is the inclusive language debate. Yes, uh, this is interesting, Jackie, that this comes up just this morning in my church somebody came up to me 
and said that one of her relatives does not believe we should be praying to God the Father anymore because of his liberal Lutheran church. And I don't know what's going on, but very possibly the pastor is getting up and he's using the new red hymnal of the ELCA, which desexes all the Psalms, gets rid of God the Father type language, masculine language, let's put it that way. The masculine pronouns have been totally undone from the scriptures to try to get God not to be a he. Well, Jackie, do we have the right to change scripture to make God look like an American feminist? Do we have the right to do that? <laughs> Seems to me scripture is supposed to change us. We're not supposed to change scripture. There are even some pastors who are so radical, they don't pray our Father who art in heaven. They pray our mother and father who art in heaven. I had a Lutheran bishop when I was still in the ELCA. I opened today's convention in the name of the Father and of the Mother and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jackie, what happened to the Trinity? We believe in three persons, not four. And it, here, here's what bugs me. We don't have the right to change the Lord's Prayer. That's saying that we know better than Jesus. If Jesus said, Father, we follow Father. We don't incorrect Jesus Christ. That is what the inclusive language debate is all about. So, but that's changing how hymns are sung? Yes. As well as the Bible yes. itself? Yes, yes. And who's behind that? Who's behind it? Our liberal people running our denominations, Catholic and Lutheran. And, and you'll find this especially in United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church, the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church. You'll find it even in some Catholic, you know, some of the Catholic hymnals have been uh, at the hands of these uh, watchdogs over masculine pronouns. <laughs> so, but uh, Baptists, God bless them, and the conservatives don't do this nonsense, but you find it in our liberal mainline denominations. So it's something you want to stay away from. Yes. All right, Pastor Brock, what's your feeling about children in church? Um, we have a listener who feels that they would get more out of a special children's service, mm -hmm. but what do you feel about children well, in church? Well, you know, there are churches that at, in the middle of the service, the kids go downstairs for a special children's service, and I think that's okay, but there is something wonderful about mom, dad, and the kids all sitting through an hour of worship together your kids are picking stuff up from that, whether they know it or not. Uh, I would say, <laughs> as, a as, a as a pastor, if Junior is screaming, would you please take him to the church lobby for the pastor to finish his sermon? It does drive me nuts, I got to admit. There are some parents that just sit there while their kid is screaming bloody murder, and you see all the heads turning. You feel like you wouldn't, shouldn't even preach. So be polite. But bring, bring your kids to church. I think it's great to have kids in church, and uh, I think they miss something if they're not in church. I always believed that it was important to bring my children not only to Sunday school, but to church. Exactly. But I have since heard people say, this is the only time I get a chance to worship with my husband. We're together all the time mm -hmm. with the kids. Mm -hmm. And they like the separation mm -hmm. of the child not being in church. Yeah. Well, but, is the child in a different service, though, worshiping during that time or not? Well, in Sunday school yeah. instead. But then they don't get into right. a real See, church service. I, I think it's great to take the kids to Sunday school, but um, we need to also get them in the worship service. Yeah. We want to thank you for being with us this week. We pray that God would be with you, granting you his richest blessings until we're together again next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Pastor Study. We ask... Would you pray for our ministry as we seek to spread the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ? And would you pray about supporting this ministry?
Our address is The Pastor Study, 5200 Emerson Avenue North, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55430. Our website is pastorstudy.org. And our phone number is 763-260-4484. May God richly bless you and join us next week at the same time as we study God's Word. Until then, may the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you.